0: Section thirty two of The Age of the Condottieri by Oscar Browning. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter fourteen The Fall of Florence. Part two. On June twelfth, fifteen twenty nine, the Leva, the general of the Emperor in Milan, defeated the French under Saint Paul in the Battle of Landriano the result of this was to make charles v master of lombardy and peace became possible the treaty of barcelona signed on june twenty ninth fifteen twenty nine between the emperor and the pope provided that ravenna and cervia would be taken from the venetians madena reggio and rubiera from the duke of ferrara and held by the pope as imperial fiefs the medici were to be restored to florence alessandro de medici was to marry margaret the emperor's natural daughter charles was to suppress the reformation and come to be crowned at rome the pope was to be restored to his estates and sforza to milan if he should be proved to be innocent charles was to be invested with the kingdom of naples this was followed by the peace of cambrai between charles and francis published on august fifth in the cathedral of that city by this, Francis gave up all his rights over Italy and left Venice, Florence, and Ferrara to the vengeance of the Emperor. Philibert, Prince of Orange, the last of the House of Chalons, the Principality after his death passing into the House of Nassau, was marked out as the destroyer of Florence. He collected forces and money in Rome where the soldiers were eager for the plunder of Florence, as they had already plundered Rome the Emperor Charles V landed at Genoa on August twelfth, preceded by 2,000 Spanish infantry. He was now at the height of his power, and appeared to the subject world as a second Charles the Great. Florence sent ambassadors to him, four in number after the manner of the Republic, Niccolo Caponi, Tommaso Soderini, Matteo Strozzi, and Raffaele Girolami, they obtained an audience by the intervention of Andrea Doria. They begged the Emperor to preserve the liberty of their city and not to surrender them to the Medici, but he received them coolly and sent them away unconsoled. Strazzi went to Venice, Soderini to Lucca Caponi died on the way home, but he had time to send a last message to his fellow-citizens, warning them of the uselessness of resistance. His advice was unheeded. Desperate attempts were made to raise money. Sacrilegious hands were laid upon the property of the church and the endowments of the guilds. Meanwhile the Prince of Orange continued to advance. Malatès de Baglioni came to terms with the Pope and delivered Perugia into his hands. The Florentines determined to make a last effort for peace by sending an embassy to the Pope. They chose for the purpose Francesco Vettori, Andreolo Nicolini, Giacopo Giuciardini, and Pier Francesco Portinari. They did not know what instructions to give and decided to allow them a free hand. The Pope made answer to them that when he returned to his own home he would show to the world that he did not desire to be tyrant of his country, but only to secure its welfare. Arezzo revolted from Florence at the approach of Philibert, and declared itself a free republic. This blow only stimulated the citizens to greater efforts. They employed the great sculptor Michelangelo Bonaratti to repair their fortifications, especially on the height of San Miniato. The delicious villas and gardens, which generations of cultured merchants had made for their delectation, were destroyed, the women themselves aiding in the work. Michelangelo visited Caponi in his last moment and heard from his lips the dying cry, To what a pass have we led our miserable country! In the first days of October 1529, the heads of the invading columns appeared in the Val d'Arno, wasting as they went. The army of the Prince of Orange numbered between thirty and forty thousand. The Florentines again sent an embassy, but Philibert demanded the restoration of the Medici and the nomination of half of the great council by the Pope. They replied that they would rather see Florence in ashes than under the Medici. The prince advanced and began to bombard the new fortifications of Michelangelo on San Miniato from the height of Arcetri. At this time, the Pope was at Bologna awaiting the arrival of the Emperor. One gleam of hope for the doomed city now illumined the scene. The emperor heard at Piacenza that John Sapolia had received the crown of Hungary from the hands of the sultan, and that Soliman was marching on Vienna with 250,000 Turks. For a moment Clement moderated his terms, and asked only for the adhesion of Florence to the League of Cambrai, and that the Pope should be allowed to nominate ten members of the Council of Eighty these hopes however were soon dispelled by the repulse of the ottoman army the emperor arrived at bologna on november fifteenth charles knelt before clement as barbarossa had knelt at venice before alexander the third he kissed the pope's hand and foot and did him homage nearly all the italian princes were collected together at bologna as if to a congress venice made her submission Sforza received Milan as an imperial fief. The end of the conference was that on December 23rd a so-called everlasting league was signed between the Pope, the Emperor, the King of Hungary, Venice, Milan, Mantua, Savoy, and Montferrat. When peace was restored, the arms of a united Europe were to turn against the Turks. The Reformation was to be suppressed and the Church reformed by a council. The peace which sealed the political death of Italy was solemnly proclaimed on New Year's Day, 1530, in the church of St. Petronius. On February 24th, the lucky day of Charles, the day of his birth and of the Battle of Pavia, Charles V was crowned by the Pope after the custom of the ancient rite. Two days earlier he had been crowned King of Italy, not with the iron crown of Monza, which was too small for him, but with the crown of the king of the Romans. Even after the humiliation of the papacy, the emperor did not disdain to hold the pope's stirrup. Very few Germans were present, but the pomp which accompanied the solemn cavalcade through the streets of Bologna had never been surpassed. Alessandro de' Medici bore the standard of the church, Teresino held up the papal train, Charles III of Savoy carried the emperor's cap, who wore the crown on his head, Bonifacio of Montferrat held the golden scepter, and Philip of Bavaria the golden ball. About a month later, Charles returned to Germany, and in June at Augsburg received the famous confession which bears the name of that city, the Manifesto of the Protestant Faith. A week later, the Pope returned to Rome. Clement now turned all his energies to the reduction of Florence, the city fought boldly against tremendous odds, the last bulwark of Italian liberty. She had lost many of her greatest men, among them Caponi, but a new captain arose for her needs, strict even to severity, stern even to inhumanity, courageous even to imprudence, stubborn even to obstinacy. This was Francesco Ferrucci, the scion of an ancient family who had been brought up as a merchant, he had learnt the career of arms under the french in italy and had been made prisoner by the imperialists his first exploit was the recovery of san miniato al tedesco from the spaniards still the cause which ferrucci supported was desperate prato and pistoria were abandoned in order to save empoli pisa and ligorne on january twenty sixth fifteen thirty malates de baglioni was made captain-general and the baton of command was solemnly presented to him in the great square of the signori no one believed that he could prove a traitor ferrucci wrote from empoli to congratulate the ten on his appointment it was only in the time of their need that the florentines found out that he had the common vice of all condottieri and of all those who fight for money and for their own advantage two days after the appointment of balioni an ambassador came from france to counsel submission. Abandoned by all the world, they determined to put their trust in God, and Benedetto di Ferrano, after preaching in the great hall of the public palace, gave to the gonfalonieri a standard on which was painted the figure of Christ their King. Ferrucci now signalized himself by a brilliant feat of arms. Volterra revolted, and gave herself to the Pope, But Ferrucci, marching from Empoli, recovered the city, conquering it street by street and house by house. Unfortunately, in the absence of Ferrucci, the more important town of Empoli was seized and paved the way for the capture of Florence. The Prince of Orange had promised to reduce the town in two months, but the siege lingered, and the Pope was at the end of his resources. He created new cardinals to obtain money however pestilence and famine took possession of the beleaguered city meat became very scarce and horses cats and even mice were used for food a sortie was made on may fifth thirty companies of citizens fought for four hours but could not break the lines of the besieging forces after this the troops were counted and they found that they had under arms three thousand young men between eighteen and forty years of age and two thousand between forty and fifty the rest of the army was composed of mercenary troops under the command of malatesta the council of eighty determined to continue the struggle as long as they had a crust of bread on the night of june twentieth to twenty first the florentines made a second sortie stefano colonna led the attack upon the german camp while malatesta prevented the prince of orange from marching to the rescue the attempt failed and Malatesta was suspected of treachery. The end was now at hand. Orders were sent to Ferucci, who was then at Volterra, to go to Pisa, and from his place to attack the besieging army, while at the same time Malatesta and the Florentines would make a final sortie from the city. He reached Pisa on July twenty-first. passing by way of Ligorne. He got together with great difficulty three thousand infantry and six hundred cavalry, with ten large muskets and twenty cannon when ordered to make his departure he exclaimed we are going to death it is said that he conceived the bold idea of marching to rome and forcing the prince of orange to raise the siege and follow him but the ten of liberty adhered to their plan and he obeyed marching through lucca he met orange on october twelfth at gavinone in the territory of Pistaria the two armies entered the village at the same moment. The struggle was long and fierce. The imperialists began to give way, the Prince of Orange was killed. Ferrucci's soldiers raised shouts of victory, but the rearguard composed of Germans stayed the flight and changed the fortune of the battle. Ferrucci was taken prisoner and led before Maramaldo, who had succeeded Orange in the command. Maramaldo struck the hero with his hand, and the soldiers dispatched him. The promised sortie from Florence never took place, it is said by the treachery of Malatesta. The Florentines could number 8,000 infantry, 6,270 mercenaries, and 20 pieces of artillery. The signori and the magistrates determined on the enterprise, and with this view they received the communion in the Church of Our Lady of the Flower. But, at the last moment, Malatesta and Colonna, refused to march when the news of ferrucci's death arrived there was nothing left but to submit malatesta had been already in treaty with the enemy perhaps with the idea of preventing needless bloodshed but also with the hope of getting back perugia from the pope he was now master of the town and the citizens laid down their arms four ambassadors lorenzo strozzi Pier francesco portinari bardo altoviti and Chacopo Morelli, concluded terms with Ferrante Gonzaga on August twelfth. Florence was to pay 80,000 ducats, and the whole dominion of Florence, without exception, was to be subject to such a form of government as the emperor might ordain, within four months, liberty of the city being preserved. Florence had lost in the siege 8,000 citizens and 14,000 foreign soldiers. She was utterly impoverished by her efforts... She had spent 1,200,000 ducats during the eleven months of the siege. On August 20th, a balia of twelve citizens was elected to reorganize the Constitution, and the exiles returned to the town. Alessandro de' Medici became Duke of Florence on July sixth, 1530, and reigned till January sixth, 1531, when he was murdered by his cousin Lorenzino. Thus Florence fell three years after the sack of Rome. Our history ends with her as it began with her. During the 280 years we have traversed, she never played an unworthy part. She was always the home of culture and the asserter of liberty. If Rome has a superior claim to sovereignty as the widowed mistress of the world, the love and reverence of every Italian must turn with pious yearning toward the towers of florence end of section thirty two recording by pamela nagami m d encino california august fourth in the year of the plague twenty twenty end of the age of the condottieri a short history of medieval italy from 1409 to 1530 by oscar browning